Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to another edition of La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 31 recap, and I'm your host, Matt Clark, joined by Sam Leverage in Madrid. Sam, how are you this evening? I'm good, thank you, Matt. I'm a bit exhausted after the, the Sunday evening action. I mean, Barcelona-Levante was a proper Barcelona-Levante kind of game, so a bit worn out after that one, but yeah, no, lots more football to come in the next few weeks, so we're yeah, ready for it. It's, it's really the business end of the season now. Um, from the end of the half-time, it seems crazy that it was... There were no goals in that first half, but then it more than made up for it in the second. It's been that kind of weekend, really. We've had a lot of late goals, a lot of comebacks, a lot of important wins, a lot of damaging defeats. And we'll get into absolutely all of that in this show. But we have to start at the end of the weekend, and that is at the Ciudad de Valencia. Levante 2, Barcelona 3, my word. Levante had three penalties in this game, and they still didn't win. They didn't even get a draw. Sam, is this the end for Levante? I feel like mentally it might be more of a blow for them than it just the result because of those three penalties, because of the chances they had. I mean, they really should have taken something from this game and they deserve something from this game. I mean, they were the better team throughout much of it. I mean, Jose Luis Morales was superb throughout and I think they can count themselves very unfortunate, not just because of the penalties and Paco Pollitt wasn't the happiest person that kept changing their penalty takers. But I mean, they did deserve something and their performance was that of a team pushing for Europe, not a team that's fighting relegation. And I just think mentally that blow of the last minute winner for Barcelona. I mean, I think we're going to talk more about Alaves and a very similar result for them in terms of the, the last minute defeat. I think that is going to have more of an impact on Levante in the next few weeks than than the result on its own. I think they weren't expected to pick up points against Barcelona, but they were so close to doing it. Yeah, they've been very good against the bigger sides, perversely, Levante. They were always the entertainers under Paco Lopez. And of course, this season, the 3-3 with Real Madrid, which seems a very long time ago, but they, they took four points off the defending champions, Atleti, and they very nearly took points off, off the Xavi's incredible Barca in, in real form at the moment. So it would be a real shame to see them go down. I think we all feel that. I think we all feel that there are a few teams that perhaps wouldn't be as much of a loss in La Liga, if that's fair to say, but Levante are such an entertaining side to watch. Always good value, win, lose or draw. Um, but yeah, this this defeat now at home leaves them seven points adrift of safety and we've only got seven games to go. So a hard task has got even harder. Um, 
just quickly on Barcelona then, 15 games unbeaten now, in real form, still in second place, still fighting for the slim chance of a league title. They've got that game in hand. If they win that, it's just nine points. Is it on? High Liga? No, Matt. <laughs> You're getting carried <laughs> away there, no. I saw, somebody, I saw a Add great tweet this evening, which was that uh, it feels like the last time Barcelona lost a game, everybody was using Motorola phones. And I think that's a good <laughs> way of describing how it feels with Barcelona at the moment. But at the same time, it's almost depressing how far behind they were because just three, four more wins and then we really do have a proper title race in our hands. And I think it's similar with Atletico in a way. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on them later on with the amount of points they've dropped to teams at the very bottom of La Liga. And these are games which they should be picking up results. Barcelona should have got more points in the first half of the season. Atletico should have got more points against the teams at the bottom. Either of those two teams did that, and Real Madrid would have a challenge, but they just haven't. I think Barcelona now will be all about pushing Real Madrid as far as they can so that they really kind of cement this idea that they are challengers and they are ready to compete for the title next season. I think the Europa League is a great opportunity for them to do that as well because just for Xavi to get some silverware under his belt already would be a fantastic achievement and really kind of feed that winning mentality that, that they're trying to build with Laporta and Xavi and, and everything that they're doing there. So I think this season will still end very positively for Barcelona, but I think the gap between Real Madrid is just too much. I can't see Real Madrid dropping that many points between now and the end of the season. Yeah, it was a very short answer at first and then a much more elaborate response after that. But uh, you, you make a great point that, you know, the idea that had Xavi came in in the summer, I know it's a big what if and, and it's it's very hypothetical, but you just never know. Admittedly, a lot of the, the form has come in 2022 since that January transfer window and bringing in all those attacking options. But it was Luke de Jong who was the match winner today, just, just as he has been so crucial in, in many games earlier in the season. So... He'd been a bit of a forgotten man since, you know, Ferran, Aubameyang and, uh, and Dembélé's return to form. But uh, yeah, Luke de Jong once again showing that he's the man for the big moment. But uh, I think I think the starkest thing really is that until Xavi came in, Barca hadn't won away from home in the league. But since he's come in, they're now unbeaten away from home in the league. The only defeat in La Liga was that home game against Betis before Christmas. So yeah, you're right. He's absolutely turned them around. And uh, yeah, very much... If not this season, then certainly next season could be a real, real big tussle between the big two. But uh, let's stick with the teams at the bottom. As we said, damaging defeat for Levante. Similar for Alaves, a real hammer blow for them at El Sadar. Their new coach, their third of the season, Julio Velasquez. He's never managed in a league before. He's only 40. He's known for being a bit of a globetrotter, doesn't stay in many jobs for long. But he came in, he changed the system. Um, and it looked like it was kind of holding on for a nil-nil. But right at the end, Ante Budimir really uh, kills all hopes for Alaves, no? Yeah, well, I was actually kind of impressed by, by Alaves. I mean, Julio Velázquez was a bit of a left-field appointment. but And you say he's never managed in La Liga before, but he has coached Betis, he has coached Villarreal when they've been in Segunda. I mean, they're big clubs in Spain. And so Alaves are almost even a smaller club than those two, even though they are in Primera. But I thought they played quite well. I mean, they never dominated the game, but they never looked quite as under threat. I mean, the penalty was one of those freak accidents that, that just happens every now and then. Then there was the Budimir goal, which was just offside. But I mean, Alaves looked good value for a point. And I think that hammer blow of the, the late, late winner for Osasuna was, was very Osasuna. We've seen them do that a few times, especially at Al-Sadar. I mean, I'm thinking of 
Manu Sanchez late goal earlier on in the season that was very similar. But I think that Alaves just don't have that that spark about them. I think that's the difference between them and teams like Levante or or even like Cadiz that that just have that spark that they can create something, they can create that moment. And Alaves just don't quite have that. They rely so heavily on Hoselu, who had the best chance of the game in the first minute. And after that, they just didn't have anything. They never had that kind of goal-scoring threat. So that's the issue with the positioning they're in now. I think they can grind out results. They can grind out nil-nils, one-alls, that kind of thing. But I don't see them winning many games. They have got a very interesting fixture list between now and the end of the season. I think they've got seven games left, and four of those are against other teams in the bottom five. And the other two games, three games they've got left are Villarreal, who... Who knows, they might be distracted by Europe even still at that point. And then Celta and Espanyol, who have had a mid-table, nothing to play for. So Alaves need to start picking up points now. If they don't get six from their next six against Rayo and Mallorca, then, then it's curtains for them. And I don't think they can say that they don't deserve it. Yeah, their fixture list is probably kinder than other teams down there. But they have lost more than any other side in the league. 19 defeats. Um, and that's pretty tough to recover from while it's mathematically possible of course it is still possible um but yeah they join levante you know joint bottom there seven points adrift the team that was out of it last week gadith um after their bounce under sergio they slipped back in courtesy of their defeat at home to betis combined with mallorca's win over atleti uh, Kay took the lead against Betis, but uh, again, one of the comebacks this weekend was Real Betis. It was a late one, second half. The uh, the Pellegrini tracks who did the trick again. But Cadiz, um, will they be too despondent by this? Will they still back themselves to, to keep the momentum going? I think it was a very entertaining game. And it's definitely one of those that is worth watching back if you're catching up on the weekend action. But this is the first time that Cadiz have lost at home under, under Sergio. And I think they... They did a pretty good job up against Betis. I mean, they were holding their own. I mean, they had plenty of chances. Alvaro and Agredo had a couple of chances as well. I mean, this wasn't a case of uh, a goal against the run of play so much for Ivan Alejo. And it was a bit of a fortunate one with Juanmi heading it back towards his own goal and he was just in the right place at the right time. But then Betis were very Betis. I mean, they just have those players who can create something out of nothing. And Nabil Fekir back here, which was stunning. And then Deo fired it in from 20 yards and then the Borja Iglesias penalty late on I think that was where we saw the difference of quality between the two teams because I mean Betis could make subs like that to bring on Borja Iglesias for example and the Cadiz bench just didn't have that same kind of quality I mean they brought on Chocolontano, they brought on Alex Fernandez who are a decent players for Cadiz but they're not the same level of quality as Borja Iglesias as Tello and the two subs both scoring and, and Joaquin I think the other sub they made was Hector Bellerin. I mean, these are kinds of players who could be starting kind of through European team and, and Cali just don't have that quality to to compete. And I think that's where we might see that start to come in now because Cali do have a couple of tough fixtures. Barcelona up next. I think they still got to play Sevilla, Real Sociedad, Real Madrid. And, and that will be the challenge for them. I mean, their fixture list isn't the nicest one, but defeats just can't start coming now because it will really hit their confidence and they have started to look like a much better team in the last few weeks. Yes, very much all to play for. There's plenty of teams still in that mix. I mean, as we've said, Cadiz and Mallorca right on the dotted line there, but Granada also won 29 points. 
Elche Hetafe only on 32 each. Um, all three of those sides also lost this weekend. Granada in a six-goal thriller at the Ramon Sanchez Pizuan on Friday night, uh, losing 4-2 despite going ahead and drawing 2-2 level late on. But uh, a couple of late goals from Sevilla got the win for Lopetegui's side. Elche, again, they were ahead against Real Sociedad, but that was another comeback game. Um, we'll talk about that game in a little bit in the second half. But um, yeah, Real Sociedad continuing their uh, decent form in the top six. And uh, and yeah, Hetafe losing to Neil at the Bernabeu. Not too surprising, but equally uh, another defeat there. But of course, one of the biggest kind of surprises of the weekend came at the visit Mallorca Estadi. It was Mallorca against the defending champions Atleti. Could they do the double over the reigning champions? Well, the answer was yes. And to hear all about that, we spoke to Jeremy Barron from Into the Calderon. 11 metros le separan. ¿Quién ganará el duelo? Preparado Murici. Ahí está. Desde Kosovo. Le va a pegar. Muri, 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 Le pegó con el alma, le pegó con la rabia, le pegó con todo, le pegó Murici, marca el Mallorca. I'm here with Jeremy Veren from Into the Calderon, and we're here to talk all things Atletico Madrid. They suffered a 1-0 defeat at Mallorca on Saturday. Their run of six matches winning in a row came to a shuddering halt. Jeremy, welcome onto the show. Um, what did you make of Saturday's game then? Oh, it's terrible. Uh, Atleti reverted back to some very bad habits that we saw for the majority of this season, but have been largely put away, uh, largely have been kept under lock and key for the past six weeks or so, but they all resurfaced, practically all of them re resurfaced on Saturday, which made that result, even with the Manchester City game on the horizon, no doubt that played into it, but it made the result and the performance a bit more unsettling and disconcerting because a lot of these problems, we thought that Diego Simeone had gone a long way towards solving and the players had gone a long way toward trying to break these bad habits, but they all came out in full force on the island on Saturday. Really disappointing result. Yeah, I mean, uh, you talked about the, the rotation for, or the preparation for City being on the minds. Of course, Jao Felix has been in fine form in the league. He was rested from the start. Luis Suarez getting the nod. Uh, Aleti had lots of possession, around 60-70% of the ball, but they could only muster one shot on target. And it was Mallorca who, penalty aside, they still the more threatening side, didn't they? Yeah, they were. Mallorca are fully deserving of this victory. They looked like the one team out of the two in this game that had something to play for. Uh, Mallorca had lost seven in a row. They had been leaking goals and not scoring very many, which is a really lethal combo for most teams. Uh, but give them credit. Javier Aguirre had them really well organized. They played a flat line of five that Atleti could find. No way through. They couldn't poke any holes through it, which was really weird considering Atletico used a similar tactic against Man City last week. Uh, so Simeone's Atleti getting a bit of their own medicine in that regard. But Mallorca, they came to play. Yeah, it was their first clean sheet since December. And of course, now they've done the double over the champions and they were recently promoted side too. So definitely one that wouldn't have uh, been on the cards going into the season. Not many would have predicted that Mallorca would win twice. And it's becoming a bit of a theme, isn't it, for Atleti? Um, the bottom three before this weekend were Levante, Alaves, and Mallorca. 
Atleti have played them all twice now. And of those six matches, they've only taken four points out of, 20, uh, out of 18. I mean, that's that's the difference between them scrapping for fourth and them being in the title race, isn't it? Why do you think Atleti have struggled so much against the teams that have struggled themselves? It's a, a dreadful return, Matt. And of the the current bottom five in La Liga, Atletico have taken 10 points from nine games with the present bottom five. Uh, so that's 10 points out of a total of, let's see, does quick math here. Uh, I believe it's 27 points. So if, yeah. let's say yeah, Atleti pick up 20 points instead of 10. They are in the thick of the title race. They're five points behind Madrid, probably not going to win the title, but still solidly, comfortably second and obviously on track to finish in the top four. Because of these results and these these quote-unquote accidents, uh, Atleti find themselves in a serious fight for top four with Betis and Real Sociedad right behind them. It, it comes down to a couple of different things, I think, Matt. Uh, some of it is just variance and bad luck. A couple of those games were, were down to really strange refereeing mistakes or uh, strange, uncharacteristic giveaways. And everyone has a bad day, right? Every team goes through rough patches. But some of these show a serious and concerning lack of focus, uh, especially the first loss to Mallorca, the loss at Granada. Uh, really, both Levante games were inexcusable for a team in Atleti's position. It's because of these results and these um, these really dreadful and unfortunate uh, games against the La Liga's bottom three, bottom five, all these teams in the relegation hunt that Atleti aren't fighting for the title. It's down to a lack of focus, a lack of consistency, and a lack of clarity into in what the plan is. Atleti's performance against Mallorca, you, you could have gone back to November, December, January and seen a performance just like it. That's why. One good omen for you is that the last time Atleti lost to Mallorca, they then went and beat Porto away from home to keep themselves in the Champions League when they could have gone out in the groups. Um, and I spoke to you just before the United tie and you said they had a chance and you were right. Um, so what's your take on this week's match against City? I'm going to go for it again. I think they have more than a chance against Man City. Uh, I at least hope we're going to see a, a very different Atletico on Wednesday. I bet a lot of these same players will be starting uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano against City on Wednesday night. And I expect a, a very different performance, both in terms of attitude and the result. Uh, that first like performance, getting out of there just down a goal. Say what you will about the approach. I know a lot of people are, but it kept the tie close. Diego Simeone's plan more or less worked. He would love to have gotten out of there goalless or even 1-1, but down 1-0, plenty of options to advance. And this is probably the biggest European night since the one in Metropolitano opened. Uh, the ones that come closest to me are probably that, that semifinal against Arsenal four years ago, the first leg of the Liverpool tie a few years ago. This one might be bigger than, than both of those games. So the, the Atleti fans will be in full voice. They will be showing up. And the the atmosphere, the cauldron-like atmosphere, I think is going to play a huge role in this game. That's why I'm going to crack my knuckles a little bit and, and back Atleti to somehow find a way past Man City on Wednesday. I think they can absolutely do it. Because that, that's the weird thing about this Atleti side in particular is on their day, they can beat anybody but they can also lose to anybody. They are just as capable of beating anyone as they are to falling flat against anyone. So I think we're going to see a brilliant performance on Wednesday and going to puff out my chest a little bit and say it's going to be enough to get to the semifinals of the Champions League. It's going to be a, a pulsating atmosphere, I'm sure, and we'll all be backing Atleti to, to get the job done, as we will with all our Spanish sides in Europe this week. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for that. 
make sure you follow him and into the Calderon for all things Atletico Madrid. Plenty of content on their site. Always worth checking that out. And thanks again, Jeremy, for coming on. We'll speak to you very soon. Matt, thank you so much for having me. Glad to do it. Pleasure. Indeed, a massive match for Atleti in the Champions League to see if they can turn around that tie against the mighty Manchester City. Well, it's time for a quick break now, but after which we will discuss all of the rest of the action, including Real Madrid's win over Hetafe as they edge another step closer to that 35th league title. And of course, all the other chasers in that top six, seven European race. Join us after the break. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our matchday 31 recap with plenty of late goals and comebacks. There was a late goal at the RCD Stadium on Sunday. Roulet with his first La Liga goal of the season, snatching all three points for Espanyol. They've now scored in 15 consecutive home games, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, as for Celta, they are properly marooned in no man's land in mid-table. They're not going to finish in Europe. They're not going to go down they'll probably look at the holiday brochures and where to go for the beach. Um, but Sam, as for the European race, there are plenty of teams still fighting for that. Um, we've mentioned a few of them already in terms of the relegation teams, but um, of course, Real Madrid as well. They're going for the title. They won again. Um, things we don't expect to see. Rotations from Carlo Ancelotti and rest for Modric and Kroos. What, what was happening there? And even Gareth Bale making an appearance. 
which was mad. The first time he's played for Real Madrid at the Bernabeu since before COVID. And he got a mixed reception at the Bernabeu, let's say. I knew that the people around me there were were more hostile towards him. I heard that on the TV coverage there are shots of some people applauding him, but I think most of those around me are quite loud in their, their whistles, which is always going to be the case. It drowns out the applause, but there was definitely a bit of anger towards him. Not quite Usman Dembele in early February at Camp Nou style reception, but but maybe halfway there, and, and that was interesting. And yeah, interesting to see Modric and Cruz finally rested by Angelotti. He hasn't rested or rotated pretty much at all this season. And I think there is a point of kind of the fixtures in Europe and in midweek are becoming more important, but there's also a point that I think he's beginning to trust Camavinga and Fede Valverde a little bit more. And I think Valverde in, in particular has been outstanding the last few weeks every time that Ancelotti's given him a chance. And I think that is what's giving Ancelotti kind of the faith to rotate a little bit more because otherwise we're going to end up with Modric and Cruz just kind of skeletons running around come the end of May. That's an interesting image for sure. Um, one player who didn't miss the game was Casemiro, um, but he got booked, so he will miss the severe game next week. Um, that, that was potentially a title decider a few weeks back, but Sevilla's dip in form has meant that Madrid are well clear of them. But um, they still need to, to get the job done and get over the line. They need, as things stand, 13 points, we estimate there, to, to seal the deal. Um, and if you want to look four or so games down the line in the fixture calendar, that will be a very interesting potential place for them to win the league. But I'll leave that to you, listener. Um, as for as for, I don't Sevilla, want to hear about it, Matt. <laughs> well, I didn't say it, but uh, it's there. Uh, as for Sevilla, they did have that four-two win over Granada. Again, this was another shock. Sevilla scored more than two. Um, they hadn't scored more than two in La Liga since the five-three against Levante. And Javi Pereira was manager of Levante. Then it tells you how long ago that was. Um, Again, without Europe, they are they're looking to finish the season strongly. They're looking to to make sure they finish in the top four. And with Papu back fit, they probably will, won't they? You'd like to think so. I mean, this was Sevilla almost at their least severe. I mean, they lost the reverse fixture against Granada earlier on in the season, and that was a shock at the time. And then they conceded two to Granada here. And I think looking at the teams who have managed to put two past for Sevilla this season. I mean, they've been Alaves, Celta Vigo. I mean, teams that you wouldn't expect to do it. And and this was one of those cases at home against Granada. You really wouldn't have expected Sevilla to concede two. And then when that goal came, I mean, the the two all late on. I mean, it was kind of peak Sevilla the last few weeks, months, where they just they've got the draw, but not being convincing and not being able to see games out. And then to see them come back, I thought was was intriguing to see that kind of fighting spirit and and to see that kind of belief that they did have players like Papo Gomez and the team who could create something and and do something in those last few minutes and that's exactly what they did so I think that's a real confidence booster to have before Real Madrid come up come down to Seville and rock up at the Pith one and I think that'll be a a thrilling game because I think Seville are just a very difficult team to beat of course not defeated at home all season, so Real Madrid will be looking to to inflict their first home defeat in La Liga this season. I think it's going to be a thrilling game. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think maybe not the kind of Levante-Barcelona goals galore kind of tie, but I think tactically it's going to be really interesting to see how Ancelotti and Lopetegui approach it. I think it'll be more pragmatic than than anything else, but 
I think it'll be a, a good one to watch. Yeah, I mean, after Atleti's defeat, a draw would probably suit both sides in that. But I, saw, I certainly know a few Barcelona fans will be cheering on Sevilla next weekend. So, yeah, that's definitely one to bring in red in your diaries for next week. Um, Betis also winning, as did Lareal, to stay right in touch with the top four. They're both in some decent form and Rasotidad not missing Rathabal as much as we perhaps thought they might. Yeah, and I mean, they were... They've been fantastic, I think. I mean, they had that really awful run of form, but I think they're now the last seven. I mean, since that derby defeat to Athletic Club, which was humiliation to the extreme, they lost to Real Madrid, which was kind of inevitable miss. But I think they've won all but one other game in that seven-game run, apart from Sevilla, where they drew 0-0 away at the fifth one. And they are kind of racking up the goals, and I don't think they've conceded a goal at home either in that time. So, I mean looking very solid and the fixture list that they have coming up in the next few weeks is going to be very important. I mean, they've got Betis on Friday night, which really is kind of a winner takes all for that kind of fifth spot. I mean, can they Sociedad keep competing for it or are Betis going to kind of shore themselves up there? Then they play Barcelona in, in the midweek round. And I mean, those two games could be crucial. And then the last two games of the season, I think got Villarreal, who maybe by that point will have dropped off and Atletico. So, I mean, this is a thing with La Liga and kind of the areas where things are tight at the bottom and in this kind of race for the, the European places, the teams are playing within each other and it's making it so much more interesting. So I think Real Sociedad and the kind of confidence boost they've had of getting these results without Ayortabal will, will really help see them through and, and they will really need that in the next few weeks. Well, yeah, very, very good roundup there of how things stand in the race for Europe. The final couple of play, couple of teams that are fighting we haven't mentioned yet, and that's because they faced each other this weekend at La Ceramica. Villarreal, would they suffer like Atletico did, uh, the Champions League hangover? Well, not so much. Unai Emery changed all 11 players, and they got a 1-1 draw with former manager Marcelino and Athletic Club. And to hear all about that game, we spoke to Villarreal USA editor Jamie Kemble, who gives us everything you need to know about that match as well as their chances of going through against Bayern. I'm joined now by Jamie Kemble, the editor of Villarreal USA, to talk all things Yellow Submarine. Um, Jamie had a ticket for the Bayern game at La Ceramica, but owing to a, a medical problem for his dog, he was unable to attend. So first of all, Jamie, welcome on the show again. How is Molly? Yeah, thank you. Do you have to rub that in? I don't know. Um, yeah, no, she's uh, she's fine, thank you. On the men now, so yeah, some things just, just happen, don't they? And got it not to be there, but it is what it is and we move on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, what a result that was for the Yellow Submarine and Unai Emery's tactical acumen. And then, of course, we're back to Liga action this weekend. It was Athletic Club and 11 changes from Emery. Were you surprised by this or did it come as, as no shock at all, given the massive game in Munich upcoming? Yeah, no, it wasn't a surprise. He actually said on, on Friday that he would he would be doing it. I was a little bit surprised that he kind of announced that ahead of time. Um but yeah, he made it pretty clear on Friday that he would. Um, I think a bit of a mix, really. Obviously, yeah, mainly for the for the Bayern game, but also I think there were genuinely some some tired legs after the effort on Tuesday. So 
uh, on Wednesday rather. So yeah, a bit of a necessity to rest some key bodies, especially when you look at some of the injuries we have had. Joel Moreno, um, a number of issues he's had. Juan Foyt had a, a good few hamstring injuries, so it would make no sense to uh, to put those players in, especially with, with the game obviously on Tuesday, which is um, well, it's certainly the top five biggest games in the club's history, I would say. Yeah, of course. Looking like European football is very much on the cards in whatever form next season. So let's have a look ahead to the big one then in Munich. Obviously, like you say, one of the biggest uh, matches in Villarreal's history. Of course, they've had Champions League semi-finals before, of course, and the Europa League last season with the final, winning that on penalties. But um, yeah, this one again feels like a, another level for Unai Emery and his side. What are the feelings locally? Um, obviously, you're, you're quite local to the area. Have you, have you spoken to many fans? Are they, are they excited? Are they nervous? Are they just excited? Are they just, you know, happy to experience, you know, whatever happens? Yeah, I think it's, uh, in general, just excitement, I think. Um, and I think there's a real real belief as well. I think to compare it to the previous times, I mean, the last time they were in the semi-finals, I think it was a kind of... I think Villarreal believed they were good enough and, and they, they were because obviously um, a missed penalty away from kind of pushing that game um, a lot further. Uh, but... Then I think it was kind of a gratefulness to be there. It's only a handful of years since since the whole kind of takeover and the and the kind of remodeling of the club almost at least financially. Um, but this time I think there's much more um, belief. I think um, certainly based on Europa League last season, um, how Villarreal went to kind of Arsenal and big 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 clubs and um and. When they need a result, look at that second leg against Arsenal. I know Arsenal would not normally compare them to Bayern, with all due respect. But um, they went there, went away from home, and, and managed to see it out nil nil. I think it's that it's just that that kind of a kind of solid base the club has, uh, the team has, the, the, the solid base behind Ole Emery's plans. I think there's a real belief and there's a real excitement going into this game. A because this is a bonus, you know, even if they lose Salzburg style eight nil or whatever it was. Um, it's amazing to have got you, you know, forty odd million in the bank um, already from from prize money, uh, and Villarreal have no right to be here. Um, but B because I think yeah, I just think the Villarreal fans do feel this is uh, very much possible. You look at that first leg, and we didn't see a defensive game plan. I think that will change in the second leg. But Bayern looked completely dumbfounded. Um, Nagelsmann looked a little bit out of his depth against Emery. I'm not saying that would be the same in Bavaria, but uh, we've seen that it's possible, um, and I think. Villarreal will, will definitely believe they can go there and keep things tight and, and get a result and anything like the performance they put on against Juventus where they obviously weathered the storm a little bit early on and then went for it later on, anything like that I think they, they can definitely um, get a result that will put them through to, to the semi-finals Yes, they're to dream and, and like you say, whatever happens they've always got that win at home against Bayern Munich and uh, like you say they've, they've got nothing really to lose of course they, they have the advantage but the first goal will probably be crucial in the tie but they've got counter-attacking weapons to use now. The likes of Lacelso and Dan Juma could be crucial in Munich. What does your What does your head and your heart say as a fan, Jamie? Come on, I'll put you on the spot. Are they <laughs> going to get it done? Um, <laughs> it's a tough one, call, isn't it? Because Bayern is so dangerous when when they when they're on it. But like you said, though, I think those counter-attacking options give me give me faith. Um, like you said, I think you saw in the first leg when Bayern went for it. You really, I'll just pick them off. I've got. If they can weather the storm for the first 20 minutes, like against Juventus, I think Villarreal can win this. Um, I'm going to say... <laughs> Alright, I'm going to say um, a 1-1 draw on the night. So I think, yeah, I'm going to back Villarreal to go through. Why not? Go believe in the memory masterclass. Yes, you have to believe. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Jamie. We're all going to be uh, cheering them on. 
in the week as they take on that massive second leg against Bayern. Thanks again for coming on, Jamie, so much. We'll, we'll speak to you again soon and uh, fingers crossed for the win week. Yeah, pleasure as always and all the best. Thank you there to Jamie and we'll see if the Yellow Submarine can uh, continue to ride that crest of a wave. Now it's time for MVP. It's uh, your favourite time of the week. We've got another four candidates to see who will win the award this time. Uh, you, we, of course, you can vote on Monday in the Twitter poll, as always. Sam, who is your first pick, please? My first pick, I'm going to go with, for me, the, the man at the moment. He's kind of been brilliant in the last few weeks, really. And, and that's Pedri. I think he kind of came on at the perfect time for Barcelona. I mean, looking to change the game. And and obviously, I just after Jose Luis Morales gave Levante the lead, and, and he did just that, I mean... He's just involved in everything. I mean, his goal was exactly what we've seen from him in the last few weeks. I mean, we were, for a long time, we've been talking about Pedri as this magnificent midfielder, but maybe just missing that that ability to to create that kind of goal, that that finishing, and and he just keeps showing us that he's got it. <laughs> like, it's not a one-off fluke. He keeps proving time and time again that he's got it. And then even the Luke de Jong goal, his involvement there was fantastic as well. So, I mean, Pedri really changed the game for me in that sense for Barcelona, and I think... Levante with a better team until in the kind of in that early stage of the second half Levante had plenty of chances and and Pedri kind of stabilized things a bit and then started creating for Barcelona as well so for one player to have such an influence on the game I think even though he only played I think it was just over half an hour but Pedri for me was was the most valuable player in that match for sure and and in a big win for Barcelona as well so for me that makes sense that Pedri I mean magnificent Pedri is is my MVP pick sublime yeah once again he just keeps exceeding expectations week after week even when he's supposed to get some rest he still needed to be the key cog in the shabby machine um i'm going to go for one that was on the losing side so a bit left field but i think he's well worthy of it because he's been very consistent for a number of seasons now and that is fernando pacheco the uh the Alaves goalkeeper he saved the penalty um in this match that's his fourth save of the season um and in the last eight leagues, he saved 10 penalties, uh, which no one else can can match or better uh, in that period. Uh, and he faced, what, 2.94 XG in this game against Osasuna El Sadar. And he kept kept all of it out apart from that last chance for Budimir. So really gutting for him not to get, obviously, that clean sheet, which uh, Alaves probably, as you said earlier, Sam, probably deserved. And I just think it's, it's a nice little recognition for him because... I mean, when Alaves were were kind of doing well under under Abelardo the first time, he was again really consistent, and there were even a few outside shouts for him to be kind of a third or fourth choice for for the national team. And you know that's how good he was. And and to be honest, his levels haven't really dropped. The team around him have struggled, but he's maintained that level of consistency. And uh, yeah, he, he's a key player for Alaves. And if I have any chance of 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 getting out of trouble, he's going to need to make some more big saves. So. Yeah, tip my hat to to Pacheco. Uh, He's a very likeable guy as well, so he's one for me. Um, How about your your second pick? Is also a pretty likeable footballer, but for for many different things as well on the pitch. Yeah, I'm going to go for Nabil Fekir. I think he was fantastic. I think that's what's beautiful about this Betis team with that Pellegrini's kind of built out is that with Juanmi, with Sergio Ganales, with with Nabil Fekir, I think they're just kind of the perfect trio in that they can get away with one or two of them having an off day if one of them really stands out and that's what Nabil Fakir did 
Akadith, I mean, Juanmi didn't have his best game, Sergio Canales didn't have his best game, but Fekir was just fantastic. I mean, mentioned it earlier on that he just can, can create something out of nothing in that back heel to tell you. I mean, I think I watched it three, four times in the replays and I could spend another three, four times watching it again because it was just perfectly weighted, perfect to create the space that Betis was struggling to, to create with that Cadiz defence. And he's just that kind of player. I mean, the kind of player that has taken Betis to a whole new level this season. His performances just keep getting better and better, I think. I mean, there's a lot of very important players in that Betis team. But for me, Fekir is the key man in making Betis be able to play the way that they are playing lately. And, and he's going to be kind of at the very core of everything that they do this season. Yeah, absolutely. Another phenomenal footballer. And it's very good that we have him in La Liga. Um, my fourth and final pick is a kind of similar player in terms of magical ability. But he's at the, the autumn of his career. But uh, against Elche, David Silva still showed that he has got it, providing two assists uh, for obviously both the Real Sociedad goals. Crucial for them again to get that win after coming from behind, keeping pressure on the top four or five. David Silva, it's hard to find the words at times because he's just so elegant, so creative, so in control of everything he does. He sees the pass before you know you've even thought about it, and he knows the space on the pitch, he knows everywhere to pick out. And yeah, his set piece delivery is still as good as ever. And it was it was quite curious because this game was kind of overlapping with the, the big Manchester City match against Liverpool in the Premier League. And of course, David Silva used to relish those big match occasions in the Premier League too. But it was nice for him to, to still put on a show himself. Um, and of course, with those two assists, he's the oldest player in the top five leagues to provide two assists in the same game this season. So... Very much still got it. He doesn't play every game, of course. Now he they have to manage his minutes carefully. But when he's when he's on the ball, you know, you're just drawn to, to the screen because it's just magnificent to watch. So that's a, a pretty solid four candidates for MVP. Uh, we have to finish, as always, with our moments of the week. Um, Sam, we'll come to you in, just in a second, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have a word for um, Juan Carlos Mzui, uh, of course, suffering with uh, MND. Uh, he had the ceremonial kickoff at El Sadar between Osasuna and Alaves this weekend, and it was a really emotional scene. He he kind of came out onto the pitch in his uh, in his uh, uh, wheelchair, um, got a massive ovation from all the support, real standing ovation. Very emotional, poignant scenes, um, and he's been he's been really good in kind of raising awareness for the disease and the condition, and, and making it you know destigmatizing it around around Spain and around Europe and. It's just great to to see him still smiling and still living life to the full the fullest that he can. So for me, that has to get a mention. But um, in footballing terms, you've got a pretty pretty unique moment too. Yeah, and that was Alexander Isak. Um, Real Sociedad. I mean, they got a penalty. Alexander Isak has only scored one goal this calendar year in La Liga, I think. And then he had a penalty, perfect chance, and he could not have screwed it up more. I mean, planted his foot to shoot and then hesitated, stuttered his run, but at the very last moment, which is against the rules, so the ball went into the back of the net, but the referee, fair play to him, blew the whistle immediately, gave Elche a free kick and booked Alexander Isak. So there was some, some interesting confusion, not only on the pitch and in the stadium, but even listening to the commentary, some of the Spanish commentators didn't seem to know the rules or are a little bit baffled as to 
to why that is, but of course you can stutter your run-up, but you can't stutter once you've planted your foot and are about to shoot, if that makes sense. And that's what Isaac did, and just for a player at that level with, with that talent to be lacking that kind of basic knowledge, and you can only assume that it's something that he's just kind of made up on the spot. He hasn't discussed that in training or anything like that, because I can imagine that Imanol Aguathil, who's a very knowledgeable guy, would have been the first one to be throwing bibs, water bottles, whatever he could find at the substitutes bench at him, because that was at 1-0 down to Elche, and I mean, maybe if this was to make it 3-1, you could understand that he might take that risk, but at 1-0 down away from home and and everything, it was just a bizarre moment. Uh, a very quirky end to a pretty dramatic weekend. Uh, on Monday night, this round, it's Rayo Vallecano against Valencia. Uh, it could be a good one there at Vallecas, so if you have nothing else to do on a Monday evening, make sure to tune into that one. Uh, of course, plenty of European action this week. We've got, uh, obviously, massive matches. Atleti at home to Manchester City. Villarreal going to Munich. Real Madrid defending that 3-1 lead against the defending champions, Chelsea. And then Barca bringing back a 1-1 draw to the Camp Nou against Eintracht Frankfurt. So we'll see if we can make it a clean sweep of La Liga sides in the semi-finals. That would be fantastic for us all. Um, but for now, it's thanks to you all for listening. It's thanks to Sam to Jamie and Jeremy for their contributions this week. Check out our website, laligalodan.com. Plenty of content on there for anything you could wish for, from stadium guides to player profiles to uh, manager stories. Everything's on there for you to dip into as and when you please. Um, keep it La Liga Lowdown. We'll be there across the week for all the action. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Pita Cuadra Fernández. Indicaciones para Palacios para que no entre. Le pega Isa con Paradiña gol. Lo anula. Lo anula. ¿Por qué? Vaya, por la entiendo que por la Paradiña. Pero... No, entonces sería libre indirecto. Y sí, le saca tarjeta amarilla Isaac. Sí, 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 sí corriente. Ah, bueno, claro, 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 claro. Es que, es que no lo puede tirar así. Vamos es, a ver. Sí, 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 sí. A ver. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.